Hello, Gut Check Project fans and KBMD Health family. I hope you are having a great day. It's your host, Eric Rieger, soon to be joined by my awesome co-host, Dr. Kenneth Brown. It's time for episode number 53. And this is a really informative episode about what causes hemorrhoids. And believe it or not, what you may be listening to this podcast on could be making your hemorrhoids worse. That's right, the phone. Anyhow, how is this possible? We'll just check out episode 53. It's uh, it's very light, but uh, really informative. And without wasting any more time, let's get to our sponsors. And as always, Autron Teal, formulated by my partner, Dr. Ken. Autron Teal, chock full of polyphenols. Go to lovemytummy.com. Doesn't matter if you're an athlete, if you're trying to protect your gut health, if you just want to protect your body from systemic inflammation. Autron Teal daily. Go to lovemytummy.com. That's lovemytummy.com slash KBMD, get your polyphenols today. And of course, Unrefined Bakery, great food, regardless of your specialty diet. If you need to be paleo or keto or certainly gluten-free, head to unrefinedbakery.com, use code GUTCHECK, and save 20% off your first order. This is just great food, great groceries delivered to your door. Unrefined Bakery. Dot com Use code GUTCHECK and save 20% off your first order. And last but not least, go to kbmdhealth.com and you can peruse the three signature products that Dr. Brown endorses his own CBD as well as Broccolite, chock full of sulforaphanes, and of course, Atron Teal. So go to kbmdhealth.com, use code GCP, and save 20% off of any order, anytime. All right, let's get to it. Episode number 53, What is Causing My Hemorrhoids? Have a great day. Check Project fans and KBMD Health family. How are you doing? I'm Eric Rieger, flanked here by my awesome co-host, Dr. Kenneth Brown. It's episode 53. What's up? Man, that's awesome. Um, it's episode 53, and you rarely refer to me as awesome. That's why I'm going to use it three times in the same sentence, because that's an awesome <laughs> sentence. Usually, it's I'm I'm here with my adequate co-host, Dr. Ken Brown. Yeah, I've never said that, and yeah, I will never <laughs> use awesome again, and that's probably not even true. So what's, uh, what's shaking here for episode 53? Man, this is exciting, because episode 53, it's going to be all about hemorrhoids. Hemorrhoids, Ooh. hemorrhoids, hemorrhoids. 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 Yeah. This all came about because I was treating a patient in their mid-20s, and that person asked um, if it was unusual for me to be treating a person that was, they felt that this was an older person's disease, and I said, no, actually, I treat a lot of people in their 20s, and I started thinking about it, and I went, you know, I do treat a lot, and that person said, why is that? I went, I have not paused to think about it, and he goes, you should do a show on it. Yeah. And I went, absolutely. And... As suggested, we're doing a show on hemorrhoids. So, uh-oh, I am declaring today officially National Hemorrhoid Awareness Day. That's very ambitious. I actually, you're not, you're not gonna believe me, but I actually believe that there is a Hemorrhoid Day, and there's actually a Hemorrhoid Month. Hemorrhoid Day is October 19th, and Hemorrhoid Month is November. And I don't want to take it away from you. Maybe this could be Hemorrhoid. 30 minutes yes yes we all know this Eric. 
Everyone knows that October 19th is Hemorrhoid Day. Everyone knows. And it's also National Clean Your Virtual Desktop Day, National Kentucky Day, National Seafood Bisque Day, and National LGBT Center Awareness Day. Hemorrhoids gets buried under all that. So I'm pulling hemorrhoids out and declaring today National Hemorrhoid Day. Oh, so we're shining the light on hemorrhoids. I'm changing it. Everyone likes to have their... Hemorrhoids illuminated. So I emailed the National Hemorrhoid Committee and found out there is not one. I made myself president. And by doing so, I voted. I was I filled a quorum and I was able to change it. This morning. Today is National Hemorrhoid Day. Quit arguing with me. So I'm 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 done. And I'll just go ahead and move on to I like the fact that you used the word quorum and that we're using the words hemorrhoid because both of those are kind of hard to spell. <laughs> Um, where'd you give you were telling me you were um, second runner-up in the Decatur local spelling bee in uh, 1978 was it yeah much like uh, your impromptu declared hemorrhoid national day <laughs> I was the only one who who showed up and I still came in second so. <laughs> um, all right so before we jump into hemorrhoids man what's going on with your life what's going on with the Rieger household uh, we are preparing to actually follow your footsteps we are about to uh, renovate the house and uh, sweeping changes about to move everything out uh, it's a dated house the one that we just moved into so we're going to uh, really just, just upgrade it. Did you do the renovations like we did? Did you flood the house first and no. then choose to renovate it? We tried to order a freeze and it didn't <laughs> quite work out. But uh, no, uh, here in about a week and a half, we get started. It should take about a month. I don't think it's nearly as extensive as what you're doing. But uh, yeah, we'll update some stuff. Uh, Mac is back in the throes of off-season basketball. Marie's got her new company up and going. Gage is back out finishing up his first full year at college. So, you know, they're doing well. How about you? That's awesome. Oh, the Brown household's doing well. Lots of tennis going on. I think uh, Lucas is playing on that ITF circuit, and both Carl and Lucas have tournaments this weekend. So that's that's cool. Love to see everybody healthy out there, able to do that kind of thing. You sure. know, suffering through a little bit of a small neck injury that I now I – I appreciate when you can get out there and play the sports that you want to play and have fun the way you want to have fun. So definitely, respect hey, it. What no. episode was was Wade McKenna? Oh, early on, very early. Yeah, that was back in the original studio. This is how we even did this. That was back in the Spoonie studio. So his episode was specifically on stem cells. From his perspective, he's one of the world's leading experts. You want to throw a little? Yeah, I'll throw. Out there? Yeah, I'll throw a little information out there. All right. So I injured my neck, um, which is a, a really, really common injury, and there's typical traditional medicine that people do. And one of our one of our guests, maybe guest number five or six, Wade, Wade McKenna. He's yeah, Doctor Wade McKenna happens to be a world expert on stem cell. So I texted him and said, "Got a neck thing going on. I want to. Uh, I don't want to play around with this. So I went and made an appointment with him." Super cool guy, super cool staff, absolutely phenomenal out at Trophy Club. He spent a long time with me, and we went through everything, and I'm going to do stem cells. We're going to see what happens. I hear Joe Rogan talk about stem cells all the time, Yeah. and honestly, there's varying differences with how people respond to it, but if you're going to do it, you go with the person that's been doing it the longest and does the most. The person that, uh, that uh, Rogan had on to talk about it was uh, who Wade used to open up his Panama Clinic with. Neil Reardon. Yeah, Neil Reardon. Yeah. I'm pretty excited, and uh, we won't spend too much time because this is about hemorrhoids. However, I think it's really cool. On that episode, if you go back and check it, you'll learn that lots of stem cell failure is due to people not knowing 
how to even even the physicians themselves may not be using the best technique for sure there's there's um handling of the stem cells doing things but he did on our podcast he explained how he did research as a resident so yeah. he's been doing this oh. autologous bone marrow use with stem cells which nobody which people are now just scratching the surface he's been doing it for a long time and even had the panama clinic where because the laws were a little bit more relaxed and he could do some things that he had been doing research on so i'm excited so i'll keep everybody updated to what happens because if it if it goes well and i imagine it really will i'll be really excited that um i can if i look 20 years younger it's not that i took 10 <laughs> bottles of atrantil at one time for the anti-aging polyphenols it's because those stem cells are kicking in but you know we'll see all right um this is kind of cool i didn't even realize this this threw me off i'm really excited also um on episode 35 we interviewed ron clubundi oh yeah yeah of generosity feeds. generosity feeds so eric and i uh my family's out of town eric brought his family we went and we participated in one of generosity feeds Oh. Food making campaigns, or what is it? Yeah, we did the food making campaign where we packed all of the lunches for over, I think that one was 11,000 meals that we did for kids who essentially just don't have a means to eat during the weekends. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely shocking. So what Ron on that, on that episode explained is that how many children rely on the school system to get the only meals that they get. Right. Uh, even in like what you would consider affluent areas, there's going to be people that um, still need the assistance. And so what they do is they have teamed up with nutritionists and stuff that devised a very, um, I guess you would call it healthy, nutrient rich meal. Definitely. That is sustainable. And so what we did is we packed um, rice and beans and seasoning and everything. So all they got to do is you just give it to the child when they walk out the door. Right. And then they get, they're able to eat over the weekend until the school is able to do it. I think it's a phenomenal thing and the fact that they're in so demand. So anyways, um, it's been a year, dude. And Party on Purpose is oh. up again. And we're going to be sponsors again. So last year we helped sponsor um, what what um, what Tim Powers set up with Ron. Down in Austin. Down in Austin. Yeah. It was a year ago. Goodness We gosh. were just oh, wondering. Oh, that's when the pandemic started. That's what we were going. The oh pandemic. Everybody was like, this weird thing that's happening. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah, it was one year ago. So we're going to be sponsors again of Party on Purpose. And I, um, I would like everybody to take a look at episode 35 and just see the special work that Generosity Feeds is doing in Ron, Ron Clubundi and his passion for it is really amazing. It helps a lot of kids who just don't just don't have a voice it's pretty awesome yeah so um we've had some really sciencey shows recently couple couple really sciencey <laughs> maybe a little too sciencey and you know i'm feeling like we're not doing good justice to the other arts i went to a liberal arts college did you know that i did know that yeah my mom taught there and i went there Good old Dana College that no longer exists. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to the reunion. <laughs> so what what is it about that and that reminded you of your college? Well, I was going to jump into the science of hemorrhoids and oh, okay. all this really cool stuff. And I thought, wait a minute. No, let's let's bring in some other arts into this. Let's be a full spectrum podcast. Okay. I'm excited. So I'd like to kick some history. Okay. Some, uh, let's find out. Yeah. Let's kick some history. So I was sitting there preparing for this, and um, specifically, I want to talk about the history of the toilet. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we take it for granted. It's something that, uh, in other people's worlds, my favorite thing is when patients come to me and they're like, 
I don't want to talk about this, but and no matter what they're going to say, I'm like, I talk about this all, all the day time. long. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, you can't say anything that I'm not going to go, uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah. So, specifically the toilet. And quick trivia quiz. Okay. First documentation of a toilet. Do you have any idea of when it actually took place? When? Where, when, we, when historians believe that there may have been oh. the, uh, the beginnings of writing about a particular thing that could have been a toilet. I'm just going to guess because of irrigation, maybe in Rome. I don't know. I thought this was interesting. 3,000 B.C. in Scotland. No kidding. Ah, yeah, that's what, they, that's what archaeologists believe was the first um, plausible thing that is a toilet. Yeah. But it wasn't written about, and you're okay. exactly right. You're exactly right on this, but they think that the true record didn't start taking place until 315 A.D. by the Romans. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, and um, this is kind of fun. Okay. Because it's going to play into what we're going to talk about later. All right. But the toilets at that time were actually public toilets, and they were situated like in a square next mm -hmm. to each other, mm -hmm. and it was considered a social event to go poop. Oh. With the community. So could that be considered the first Bucky's? Scares. <laughs> they sold beaver nuggets there, too. Oh, my God. That explains so much. Because I was looking at these archaeological digs, and there was these little carvings of, like, this little beaver with a hat on. And I'm like, what is that? Yeah. It's now the Romans it got together. Yeah. yeah. The Romans actually started the, the first Bucky's. But anyways, so they build these these toilets in public locations where people would gather and they would socially poop next to each other. Nice. Uh, men and women. Sure. It's just, it was just kind of part of it. And then there would be a stick attached to your toilet ah. with a sponge on the end with which you would clean yourself. Hopefully you're the first. No. Yeah, well, hopefully you are, but yeah. you're never the first because once it's there, it stays. And then you dip it in water and shake it off. And uh, some historians believe that that is the origin, and I'm not making this up, uh -huh. of getting the wrong end of the stick. Wow. Yeah. A little trivia for you right Yeah, there. I never knew what the right end of the <laughs> stick was growing up. That's a really good point. So if you're a private pooper and can't <laughs> poop in public, remember that Romans would gather be like, hey, I'm having a dinner party and a pooping party. So let's all eat, and then we will go gather in the pooping room together yeah. and use the sponge that we've others have used thousands of times. Yeah, so. the Romans have had a lot of ideas. Wrestling They've naked, all yeah. kinds of things. So thank goodness during the medieval times, people became <laughs> way more dignified. I mean, way more dignified. Sure. So they started pooping in private in a pot. Okay. Which, and then they would um, poop in their pot, and then they would go to the window, and they would throw it out on the street. <laughs> How pleasant. <laughs> That's what they were doing. Yeah. So, yeah, the medieval times, they would throw the contents out there. And then um, in 1560, Sir John Harrington developed the first flush toilet, a pipe that went straight down. John Harrington. Mm -hmm. Huh, the but word this, John. Well, this is funny because sadly his invention would go ignored for 200 years. Wow. Yeah, it's like one of those things where you're like, you invent something that is really novel and exciting, but yeah. they didn't have social media back then no. to try and promote it. You couldn't take out Facebook ads and nope. do that. So John was out there, hear ye, hear ye, you can poop over here. And, you know, it was documented that he did it. But then um, in 1775, so 200 years later, Alexander Cummings took his idea, put an S shape at the bottom, so it was a pipe. Yeah. And then that controlled the fumes that were coming back out. Sure. Which made a world of difference. And pow, 
it took off. Uh-huh. And I mean, it literally took off. The poop took off. Unfortunately, um, Alexander Cummings didn't think it through too far because then it just went through an S shape and then into a pit. Okay. Or in, and so... Uh, in 1848, everybody was using these toilets, mm-hmm. and Britain um, had to. Re- Britain actually required that homes be built with an ash room, A S H. Okay. Not bathroom, ash room. Ash room. Okay. Where the waste would be collected in a pile of ash, and oh, if you think you have a bad job, where night. Soil men, that was the night name. soil men. Night soil men would come by and empty your ash room. Say that fast. Can't. Applying for that job. <laughs> yeah. So so tell me, Eric, what makes you qualified to be in night soil man? I'm good at nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Who takes that job? So if you're if you're upset about your job, remember you could have been a night soil man. Um, and then, of course, the one that everybody remembers here. And so you, this lead up to it was funny because I always thought this guy invented it. In 1861, a guy named Thomas Crapper uh-huh. patented a series of toilets. And then the whole expansion of plumbing took off. And this is what you now have in your home. You sit in your home. Um, I bring this up because I don't really think that we can talk about hemorrhoids without uh, on National Hemorrhoid Day. I'm going to keep re- referring to this as National Hemorrhoid Day. Oh, it is. I don't think we can talk about hemorrhoids on National Hemorrhoid Day. Yeah. Without discussing um, toilets, because it all plays into it. Okay. So, um, that's my history lesson for you. I don't think we've ever done history before. Not well, not about toilets. No, not quite like that. That's interesting. I actually always thought that Crapper's first name was John. I didn't know it was Thomas Crapper. That's funny. Yeah, but did no, I say it, it makes Thomas? sense though. No, you you did yeah. say that. But the the earlier the first guy was John Harrington. I guess they just over time they kind of morphed those two together. I think that's pretty. Yeah, Thomas Crapper. Ah, funny. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I'm gonna head to the John. Yeah, take a crap. You're right, right there. Yeah, there there it is. And that's how you won second place in Decatur Spelling. <laughs> All right. So now back to the original question: Can younger people get hemorrhoids? Absolutely. So this is really intriguing. I went down some rabbit holes on this one. So as it turns out, recent data is showing that there is a significant increase in hemorrhoids with late generation Z and millennials. Okay. And the real question is why? Do you have any theories? Um, only because we've, we've talked about that long-term sitting can do that. There must be something that's drawing people to either sit more frequently or more importantly sit longer what do you think you are 100 percent correct on a prior episode we did discuss a funny study we thought it was kind of funny where in 2012 they did a survey in 2012 right 75 percent of the people admitted to taking their smartphone into the bathroom the other 25 were lying about it and then <laughs> verizon saw that as an opportunity and they did their own study yeah. granted it's from verizon sure. in 2015 90 percent of the people admitted to it well they know where you are so they probably definitely know yeah and there's an actual study ongoing right now it started in 2018 i looked it up on clinicaltrials.gov where they are looking into the actual correlation to make it more scientific. Interesting. And what they're saying is that that as we continue to move forward, Generation Z, Mm -hmm. uh, taking the phone into the restroom is basically built into the DNA. So I I did a survey this morning, 
and I, I took a poll of Generation Z people around me. Oh, yeah? 100% of them said yes, 100% use a phone. I believe that other estimates, uh, maybe other regions, not in my area, were 95%. Mm-hmm. But 100% of the Gen Z people that I interviewed right. said that they use their phone that way. So this is important because I think what we need to ask you is how many people did you ask? My son. There's one. <laughs> <laughs> but that is 100%. It's a 100%. Yeah. So that just shows to make sure that you look at the actual study design and data whenever something like this All is going on. All of the time. It's All very important. All of the time. Um, so, not necessarily the podcast is sponsored by these apps, but okay. my medical practice is sponsored by these apps. Oh, I know where this is going. Yeah. So I would like uh, to do a shout out for our sponsors, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Yeah. Somehow Reddit got left off, but I believe Reddit should be on there. <laughs> um, so there's all these articles now talking about this. Yeah. And there's certainly lots of opinion pieces and there's lots of... Uh, blogs and stuff where they're interviewing colorectal surgeons and gastroenterologists and asking their opinions and they what they actually talk about is that it's probably not about the app it's more about the time sitting on the toilet sure. and I believe that's part of it and that's what I want to get into with this okay. because I believe that there's more going on than that and I have a theory as to why those apps in particular cause more damage you'll notice that like Candy Crush isn't on there and things like that when people really spend time, Mm -hmm. they tend to go to those apps. And I'm going to explain that later. Okay. So let's start with some basics. All right. All right. You fire questions. And well, let's talk. You know just as much about this topic as I do. So let's just say, what are hemorrhoids? Uh, It's when vessels, I believe, can become engorged. People probably notice them when they are external. But there are external and internal hemorrhoids. You'll probably want to delineate between the two of those. Typically, oh, it's the number one reason that people notice bleeding, rectal bleeding. Correct. Uh, they can become painful, itchy, different things like that. Um, I don't remember how many vessels it is that can become engorged, two or three, typically. And uh, But if caught early enough, can be treated by a gastroenterologist and pretty much eliminated. Yeah, 100%. So it is a natural collection of veins. Yeah. And I remember talking to um, a colorectal surgeon I use all the time, Dr. Macaluso. Mm-hmm. And he goes, hey, keep in mind that this is an arteriovenous connection also. And I only say this because this reminds me of a story. Where early on in my career, like really early on, I was in the hospital. I get called to go see an ICU patient that was crashing, absolutely crashing. Oh, a no. cirrhotic patient that was crashing. Oh, yeah. And blood was shooting out of this person's butt mm-hmm. and they were just running bags in and his pressure just kept dropping. Yeah, he's losing and so they're volume. like, hey, we can, we have no time to wait. You got to come in here. It's probably variceal. He's massive bleeding. I scope him up top, totally clean, no varices. Yeah. And I'm like, well, and he's still bleeding. And I'm like, either he decompressed him. So I'm like, we had to do an emergency colon, flip him around. Mm-hmm. And this is all bedside. And I'm early on. So if what I mean by that is, I guess over time you start seeing more and you kind of you know, shrug stuff off and go, another one of these. This was like out of left field. <laughs> like, on a, like a Monday afternoon, they're like, you need to cancel clinic and go to the ICU right now and go do this. <laughs> and so I, I um, end up scoping this person, and blood is throughout the entire colon. And I'm like, I can't find the source. I can't find the source. I'm coming back, and there, um, I come back, and I retroflexed. And this is before I started treating hemorrhoids. Uh-huh. And I'm like, the rectum is just filling full of blood. Uh-huh. And I, 
I said, call, um, I, kept, I apologize, I forgot his name now, so many years ago. But I said, uh, call this guy, get him on the phone. He's a colorectal surgeon that had just left the university uh-huh. and had come over and was uh, joined the group that uh, Dr. Macaluso was in. And so um, I said, man, I got this guy, whatever. He goes, this could be a massive hemorrhoidal bleed. People forget that it's an arteriovenous connection. connection. Yeah. And he's like, are you comfortable banding it? I'm like, I've never done it. And he goes, just treat it like it's a varus, like it's a variceal bleed. I'm like, okay. Hey, well, describe what a varices is real quick. Varices, when people have liver failure, pressure builds up, and actually when the blood tries to go to the liver, it backs up, fills up, and then it, the spleen gets big, the spleen fills up, and then you end up shunting blood. It's all plumbing up to the gastroesophageal veins. These come up this way, and those veins can dilate, and they can actually pop. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, people will bleed a ton when they actually have that. And yeah. so what we do is we go down with the camera and then we do a rubber band ligation on the variceal bleeds. So at this point, he's like, I'm gonna come over and it, it see what's going on. And I loaded up a bander, mm-hmm. I put one band, and it's like a scene from a movie where the clouds disappear, <laughs> birds start chirping, his blood pressure comes up, one band, and I was like, wow. Yeah. So. That's so, although they can be a nuisance in very, very, very rare circumstances, they can be like a really big deal. And that particular time, it was a really big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. So, um, yes, collection of veins, and they work like shock absorbers. So, all of us have hemorrhoids. If you don't have hemorrhoids, you're an alien. Yeah. Or Elon Musk. <laughs> or Elon. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm thinking he doesn't have them. He's. He's not of this world. He's not of this world. So, um, and they work like shock absorbers. But when you build up too much pressure, then they will fill up, and it's a it's a vein that can actually stretch. Yeah. And if too much pressure builds up, then it goes into the external hemorrhoids. Mm-hmm. Then the external hemorrhoids get big, and that's when people really notice them because they hurt, because there's a line called the dentate line where you have pain fibers below it, no pain fibers above it. So frequently I'll get people that'll come in when they have an external thing. Yeah. And then we realize, well, it's the internal ones feeding the external. So if you've ever had an external hemorrhoid, it's probably because your internal hem- your internal hemorrhoids have grown and it's created a diversion for the pressure over there. And it hurts bad over there. And you're right, they can bleed, itch, pain, thrombose. Um, incidents. How many people do you think have issues with hemorrhoids? Ooh, I don't know. Man, how many people? <clears throat> ah, I've got no idea. It seems like Seems like it's it's really often for those that we see in our line of work, but that you know that's that's a kind of a skewed sample size. <laughs> it is a little bit skewed. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm just gonna throw a number out there because I really have no idea. Uh, one in one in twenty. I don't know. One in twenty. Okay. Yeah. I have yeah. no idea. It's probably bigger than that. Well, it, we, this is interesting because on up to date, which is supposed to be the most up to date thing that I subscribe to, I pay service to. The incidence is the study showed that up to 14% of US people had hemorrhoid issues. And that seemed really small. And I realized that I'm skewed on this. Mm-hmm. And then I started researching more. I went and found that study. It was done in 1989. Wow. The only study that was published on the incidence of true hemorrhoids was done in 1989. Now, looking back at other studies where people are mentioning them on colonoscopies and such, yeah. it's way more than that. More recent data is that one in three people have issues and that incidence is going up that's one in three people seeking the care of a doctor interesting and then i started looking at the number of people that are or the amount of money that's being spent on over-the-counter medications Uh and it's in the hundreds of millions so it's got to be way it's got to be even more than one in three i would even say that most people at some point 
in today's society may have a hemorrhoid issue, even if they don't realize that it's a hemorrhoid issue. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was, I was off by at least three to five fold there. <laughs> yeah. Not close. So like, but, in, but you're exactly right. In my world, everyone has a hemorrhoid. Yeah. I, I just, just feel like it, we're skewed because we see it all totally the time. Skewed. Yeah. yeah. It's like that, um, that time in Nebraska when I was running the um, the, <laughs> the free STD clinic, uh-huh. and I got interviewed, and they're like, "How many people have chlamydia?" I'm like, "All of them, <laughs> all of them, everybody, everybody does." Everybody does. Yeah. <laughs> I was skewed. I didn't realize that there's. I'm wearing my Zovarax suit. <laughs> <laughs> so I am a hemorrhoid doctor, or I treat hemorrhoids. So everybody seems to have hemorrhoids, or at least they funnel to me. I probably should remember that time when I did that free. Um, STD clinic, but anyways, all right. So why did I even bring up hem- uh, why did I even bring up toilets in the beginning when we're talking about hemorrhoids? Oh, because we're sitting, and on top of that, not only are we sitting, I know this, we're straining, we're mm-hmm. applying pressure. So applying pressure, sitting for longer. Um, I think when you are reading through your statistics, it sounds to me like the incidence is rising. So now we're going to start looking at what could potentially make us be sitting longer in a spot where we are increasing our pressure. What do you think? 100%. So what people don't realize is, and it's funny because um, this particular patient asked, do you think that we're seeing more hemorrhoids because of COVID? Because people are sitting instead of, and Hmm. yes. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, but why is a toilet different? Like how does the support? There's no support there. There's no support. It's a hole. So what you've done is they put a hole there so that the, your rectum is now lower you form a cave oh. and the blood pools there. Yeah, sure. Which is why sitting on a toilet, scrolling through your apps, is one of the reasons why more blood can pool in that area. Okay, so okay. let's put some context around that. So essentially sitting on the toilet seat is actually m- more conducive to forming hemorrhoids more rapidly than just sitting somewhere flat. Correct. Okay. And then, this is one of the things, when we talk about the evolution of the, to- uh, of the toilet, um, I was really funny because I was Googling this mm-hmm. and then what came up was a blog that I wrote in 2011 about the angle of defecation. Yeah. Meaning the angle that we poop at, our Western toilets actually are not conducive to pooping. Right. And one of my biggest pet peeves is in the older population, they make the toilets very high Man. so that they can get off of it easy. It's the wrong way to the go. exact wrong way to go. Yeah. Because as you change from a sitting to a squatting position yeah squatting is how we're actually supposed to be pooping yeah which is why if you go to the middle east uh certain asian countries the toilets are on the ground yeah that's really the way that you should be pooping yeah and they did a study the blog that i wrote was a japanese study where they took med students which is i just thought it was a funny study (laughs) blog on it and they did um they put uh barium paste in these med students and then they made them poop multiple different angles. Yeah. So it was like you're like there's there's labs that do this where there's like an audience watching and you're just kind of like I mean that's just you know is that where the modern day ash shovelers are <laughs> <laughs> the descendants of the ash the soil men work in these labs <laughs> no the, the what what did I call them night soil or yeah whatever. night soil people I'm yeah. not really sure it's not a job I'm going for no it's not but certainly the descendants night soil men that's <laughs> the... <laughs> so they do now <laughs> Dr Satish Rao who runs the anal a rectal lab in I got in Georgia. He's probably gonna look this up and go, great, great, 
great grandfather was a night soil man. <laughs> you can read some of the work that he's done on this. Dr. Rao has done some most of the work on the anal rectal um, movement. I remember watching him in a lecture, and he showed his lab, which is a barium toilet, and then they wow. have a panel of people that watch on a large screen as a camera is there. And um, he said, yeah, unfortunately, we designed it a little bit wrong because you have to walk up a couple steps, and sometimes people, they can't hold the oh, barium. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Because the whole time, I, I mean, I'm just like watching this. As a gastroenterologist, I'm like, that is a profoundly invasive thing. When you go, I'm going to go to the doctor. What are you going to do? I'm going I'm to go poop in front of an audience. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm missing my appointment. <laughs> uh, sir, you're 15 minutes late. We're going to have to reschedule. Oh, shoot. <laughs> um, so anyways, squatting is the best. So toilets contribute to it in its own right. Sure. And it's called the angle of defecation. Basically, you have a muscle that wraps around. When you stand, it's there mm -hmm. so that it kinks it, mm -hmm. so that when you're walking around, you have several safeguards so you don't poop yourself. Right. Internal sphincter, external sphincter, and even this thing that's yeah. there. And that thing's always tight, the pubic retalis muscle. So as you sit, the angle becomes, so as it's, when you're standing, the muscle's real tight. Mm -hmm. And as you sit, the muscle relaxes, and then it allows for a straighter straighter shot yeah so that's one of the reasons the toilets are an important part and then if you spend more time in it so if you're wondering the best way to poop lift your knees up squatty potty style oh it's, yeah, it's, potty. Yeah, yeah it's a product but you can do it with anything get your knees up above your hips lean slightly forward and that's the best way to poop so um let's talk about prevention of hemorrhoids um, well, since we were talking about a toilet seat hole a while ago, I was going to make sure you weren't going to say, uh, you should just poop on a flat board. So I'm glad that wasn't one of the solutions. <laughs> that just sounds incredibly messy. So, uh, prevention, uh, find things. Well, number one, probably find a way to, uh, to consume the foods that allow you to make good stool to come out. Uh, be certain that you're not doing activities that make you want to stay on a toilet longer. Walk around. Smoking's the new sitting. Um, oh, explain that real quick. Smoking's the new sitting because you threw that out or there. Or sitting's the sitting's the new smoking. Sorry, yeah, sitting's sitting the, sitting's the new smoking. Sitting's the new smoking. There was a there's been a handful of different uh, of studies, but most recently, I think it was almost two years ago, um, there was a study where they showed that the comorbidities that people can develop over time uh, was commensurate with how many hours of a day they were sitting, and as people began to sit longer and longer. Throughout the day, they had more incidence of obesity, hypertension, just on and on, di uh, diabetes. Uh, I can't remember what else. A lifespan. Oh, lifespan. Well, lifespan and uh, lifespan of it, quality of life. Yeah, quality of life. So the your likelihood of dying is equivalent, if you sit a certain amount of hours a day, is equivalent to smoking like a pack a day. Yeah. For like 30 years. Yep, something like that. Yeah. That's wild, yeah. So and and actually, they say that if you did that routinely, you actually couldn't overcome it through rigorous exercise. That's right. It yeah. was it was almost like there wasn't a way to combat the long sedentary periods of the day or something yeah. like that. I you're don't remember exactly. You're making me. Can can you hold on the podcast while I get to walk around? <laughs> we need to walk around a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
That's why so, our podcasts aren't two hours anymore. An hour. <laughs> we read that study, yeah. <laughs> yeah, back in the early days, Eric and I were doing marathon podcasts. We're like, if Joe Rogan gets that many views with three hours, let's do six hours. Yeah, I decided I didn't want to be a smoker. <laughs> um, so you're exactly right. Don't sit too long yeah. on a toilet. Uh, if you're sitting there for a very long time, then that's just going to lead to hemorrhoids. And what you're talking about, proper diet. So eating fiber, actually 20 to 30 grams of fiber. Uh, just published a blog uh, yesterday on getting enough fiber because nice. of this. Yeah. So go to Kenneth Brown or go to uh, KennethBrownMD.com. You can see these. You can see this blog. But basically, it's how to get 20 to 30 grams of fiber in, soluble, insoluble. Um, the distinction. The distinction is, it, it's it, to me, it's a lot of overlap, a lot of gray. I think you need both. Basically, if you're eating your veggies. And having some fruit, you're probably you're probably pretty good on getting your fiber. Yeah. Um, so twenty to thirty grams, and then um, the question that everyone's going to ask is, well, are there any supplements that I can take for this? Supplements for hemorrhoids? For hemorrhoids? Ooh, um, I think there is one key ingredient within Autron Teal that has research behind it. That'd be horse chestnut. Yeah. So wild. So I just assumed that there would be like five or six that have. So um, I sign up to examine.com. Shout out to them because they actually go through the effort of doing everything research backed and they have what's called a human matrix uh, panel where you can see what the human studies are. On right. So it's the human matrix. So there's there may be animal studies. And shockingly, the only one that showed any evidence of decreasing hemorrhoids was horse chestnut yeah. or the extract in horse chestnut called ASIN. Mm-hmm. And I'll read exactly what the the one study that actually that they referenced on this is that supplementation of three times a day of horse chestnut, 40 milligrams ASIN, for um, over the course of a day in a short period of time with somebody with hemorrhoids was associated with a significant reduction in symptoms, bleeding, and improvement in endoscopic evaluation. I didn't even know this. And what they showed is that there was a 32 response in the placebo arm, but an 82 response, 82% response in the arm that actually got the horse chestnut. And most benefits were apparent within six days. So it's not like you gotta take it forever. Wow. Yeah. Now, what's really interesting is when we're talking about something like Atrantil that may help you go to the bathroom easier, mm-hmm. and it's got a horse chestnut in it, I haven't even been having my hemorrhoids uh, patients take it, because I just, really kind of use it for the polyphenol effect on those that do not have bloating. And if you have bloating, I'm going to recommend it. Right. But now we're looking at a whole new um, aspect here of horse chestnut being for hemorrhoids. Yeah. I uh, I remember when you first found that study, it was just kind of a eureka moment. Uh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. So now, speaking of eureka moment, here was mine about this topic. Uh-oh. So every other colorectal surgeon and gastroenterologist on all these different blogs or interviews or TV spots and stuff like that, they were they said, well, it's not really the phone that's doing it. It's just the time on the toilet. Mm. I want to disagree with that a little bit. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if you agree because this is purely theoretical here. But um, there's something called pelvic floor dyskinesia. Okay. Pelvic floor dyskinesia is when the muscles down below, mm-hmm. they are not responding the way that you want them to respond. Okay, It's very common in women who have had babies. Mm-hmm. And so I'll bring people in and it's typical of the person that says, I get the urge, but I feel like I've not fully evacuated or it takes way too long to get the stool out. Yeah, And that's when I have my discussion about 
squatty potty and and lifting your knees up above and leaning forward making sure there's enough fiber the fiber will bind the stool together so that hopefully it 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 brings moisture in along with binding it so that it all comes out at once the typical person that has something like this says they struggle to go and when they go to the restroom it's small um uneventful stools you know they they talk about it being just like small stools, rabbit pellets things like that so now Knowing that pelvic floor dyskinesia Mm -hmm. is associated with some emotional response Mm -hmm. because it's muscles, they tense up Mm -hmm. and they believe that they are relaxing the muscles when in reality they're tensing them. So when I examine somebody, I'll go, can you relax your anus for me? And they'll frequently, many times can't do it. I'll be like, contract your anus for me. And they'll squeeze their butt cheeks, but the anus doesn't contract. Right. And then when I say try and expel my finger like you're having a bowel movement, uh-huh. everything clamps down. Yeah. And I'm like, is this? And then I can get them to relax. And that's what Satish Rao's, Dr. Satish Rao's whole lab works on. Wow. Is this. And there's uh, Lorian, uh, I forget her last name. Lorian is a um, physical therapist that specializes in only this. And I send a lot of patients to her, and we're going to have her on the podcast at one time to really deep dive into this one topic. Public floor expert pelvic floor expert yeah because yeah. it's not just defecation it can it can lead to um dyspareunia which is pain during intercourse it can lead to spasms in the bladder called cystitis yeah. it can lead to a lot of other things and that uh without with the poor and i could be way off here poor pelvic floor tone can lead to the need for like bladder slings and stuff like that for sure all of that over time leads to that so yeah. the more you keep doing this that's what a rectocele is yeah that's what um uh prolapse happens from and sure. a lot of things so it's not something that if you're having these issues so if you're like the twin mid 20 year old that's doing this we got to correct these things now because if you continue to let this happen over time the muscles start relaxing the yeah. nerves start thinking it's normal and then that happens so my theory is this number one you're on these particular apps okay these apps can be associated with an emotional trigger sure so imagine going into the bathroom sitting down you hit Facebook, you're trying to go poop, and you realize that you weren't invited to a dinner party, a, a party. Yeah. And then you start going, oh, you start scrolling through the pictures, and it's emotionally upsetting. You hop on um, Instagram and see a very, or Twitter and see a very angry political post that just gets you riled up. As you do this, your sympathetic tone goes up, which is the fight or flight, and you will tend to contract muscles. So I would love to do a study on that in particular. Like you get to use your phone in the bathroom, but you can only, I'm just, I'm, I have a great idea. We're going to hold on and I need your help on this. Okay. Okay. So basically these particular apps in general put you on the toilet longer, but then you can actually become emotionally vested in what you're looking at. I think you and I should design an app. Okay. How would you do it? probably find something that would uh, make me completely relax and um well actually we we know people who have technology to who have scientifically backed data to uh to help one relax and possibly utilize a mobile device yeah we need to, so you're talking about brain.fm yeah yeah dan clark ceo Interesting. Very interesting. Imagine having, we need to sit there. Brain.fm has um, a patented technology, which is called neural phase locking, where, and I'm going to 
we've talked to their PhDs. Oh, yeah. Kevin, super smart. And I'm, I'm not even going to pretend to explain it, but basically you can increase the activity in a certain part of your brain so that you can focus when you want to focus more. Yeah. You can sleep when you want to sleep. You can uh, relax. relax, chill. Anti-anxiety? Yeah, anti-anxiety. we got to sit with him and be like, let's team up. Let's do awesome idea. Let's do a pooping app where we're going to stimulate an area, and then we'll just we'll combine that with the Headspace guy. Have you ever listened to Headspace? Is that the guy from New Zealand or Australia? Yeah, it's huge. Headspace is huge. Yeah, you know. Hi, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, I don't get very to happy very to often. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna talk today about emotional stress. It just hi, welcome back. I see that you're on the loo. <laughs> don't stay here too long yeah i'm going to talk you through this now make sure your knees are up and you are leaning slightly forward please no while this app is running no other apps can be opened <laughs> you are stuck here Quit. until you're finished yeah. Yeah. and at, at a certain amount you will be required to stand up and walk around <laughs> and then we'll make it so that the only way to turn it off is the sound of a flushing toilet yeah that that actually is not a terrible idea. It's not a terrible idea at all. I'll tell you what was funny, though. i got to confess something, because I was laughing a little bit earlier before you got to that. Um, in case y'all don't know, this guy, and I hardly ever, but this guy does not use social media apps and watching you struggle for what people are looking for and Twitter and what else did you mention? Facebook and Instagram. Ooh. That was awesome. He has no idea what makes you mad when you get on those apps, but he sure tried to find out. <laughs> Look, all I know is every day I get on my MySpace page and it's just blank. <laughs> it's just blank. I don't know why. People don't like me. Man, you treat your uh, your laptop like a solitaire machine. You have no idea. That's funny. I, I actually believe that, um, well, fortunately, I'm a total nerd, so I would rather actually read some journal articles than, yeah, no, than I surf totally any type of social media. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I'm, I, I mean, shout out to everybody that's crushing it out there. Like, uh, you know, Tony Yoon's a friend, and yeah. his Instagram is just killing. Just well, he's on 000. it. Like he's actually on it. Yeah, he's doing a good job with that. Yeah, and I, I admire that. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Um, but yeah, but anyways, I think we should do that. We should get into the app business and figure out how to. And obviously, we can't afford the Headspace guy at this point. But I think, what the, how is your accent? Let's hear it. Um, no, no, it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even mimic that. I, I would have to think about it. He that. always starts with, welcome back. Yeah. And it's really calm. Very soothing. Welcome uh, back. I very rarely get described with a calming voice, Eric. That is not really what happens. <laughs> no. You were starting to sound like the NPR SNL episode of Alec Baldwin. That's the only thing I knew to do. <laughs> All right. So anyways, that's that's my theory. Pelvic floor dyskinesia. So if you've ever been on the toilet and realize that you're looking at something that may be emotionally, may be an emotional trigger, um, that may be causing some of the issues. Yeah, sure. That's my theory. And that's why I think that the uh, advent of the smartphone is doing that. So now treatment, um, other okay. than some prevention. So treatment. There's lots of treatment out there. That is a whole separate episode unto itself. And, yeah, sure. And to do it justice, we will bring... Um, some serious experts in here that do like like a colorectal surgeon that does surgery and understands the anatomy inside and out but the treatment that i do that's a whole separate episode of course but basically if you have them speak with your doctor i want to say one thing for sure if you see rectal bleeding it is never 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 ever ever normal even if you're saying oh 
um, it's probably just hemorrhoids. No, you need to have it checked out, no matter yeah, what. Definitely. And as always, the, our little disclaimer is that this is a medical show, but I'm not your doctor. If you have anything, anything at all that you're concerned about, please discuss it with your doctor. And if this gets one person to go in yeah. and talk to their doctor about it, and we can remove a polyp, or, or the, you can prevent colon cancer, yeah. that is a huge deal. And if it is hemorrhoids, you want to get them treated early before they become too big. Because the reality is that hemorrhoids come in different stages. Yeah. So in internal hemorrhoids, they're one through four. So internal hemorrhoids, grade one, they pop up, they can bleed sometimes, uh -huh. um, but you don't really notice a whole lot. Grade two, when you go to the bathroom, they pop out. Mm. So frequently patients will come to me and they're like, I felt something when I was going to the bathroom mm. and now I don't. Grade two hemorrhoids, they pop out spontaneously because you're in that position. Ooh. Once the pressure's relieved, it goes back in. Grade three, you have to manually reduce it. And grade four, they stay out all the time. So if you're having any of this, um, if you're having any symptoms like that, the sooner you get it treated, the more likely you do not need surgery. surgery Trying yeah. to avoid surgery at essentially all costs. Um, the type of treatment I do is called is a modified banding procedure. Mm -hmm. So if you talk to your parents and they say, oh, I had hemorrhoid banding done, it hurt really bad. It's come a long way. And the old way of doing it was to grab the hemorrhoid itself, place a rubber band. And remember when I said earlier that there's that dentate line? Yeah. Below it is pain. Above it is no pain. Mm -hmm. The way that this works is the type of banding that I do is the Oregon ligation where I go up above where that dentate line is, place a rubber band above the hemorrhoid and the reason why is so that the vein that is supplying it you actually create a little scar and it decreases the blood flow mm -hmm. so it isn't so much cutting out the hemorrhoid it's just over time getting it to calm down and I, I treat a lot of these it's one of my favorite things to do because I get such good response from patients in a very quick amount of time where you do it they come back and they're like wow I'm already better that's fantastic um, it is the safest, least invasive, and most effective way to treat these symptomatic hemorrhoids. Um, I got some videos on this. You can go to KennethBrownMD.com and take a look. Um, I'm a big, big proponent, but mostly if you're having any symptoms, go talk to your doctor, get your colonoscopy done. We did a whole episode on colon cancer. Definitely. And so that's the really important thing. Random question, and maybe this will help someone if you're sitting on the fence. What is the possibility or probability that a hemorrhoid will just suddenly... Um, resolve itself? So that is a great question because remember in the very beginning we said that they are shock absorbers. Yep. So they can actually increase and decrease. And there's a bunch of risk factors for hemorrhoids sitting a long time. Pregnancy is mm -hmm. one of them. So I have a lot of women that will say, well, I got them with my first child, got them with my second child, and then they, and then they go away because the pressure's relieved and they mm -hmm. can do this. People that modify their diet, they're like, it was really bad, but then I changed my diet, I increased a lot of fiber. And there is a chance that they can go away. So we always recommend first line is to try to do the preventative stuff. Let's yeah. change your diet. Let's change your lifestyle with the toilet. And if it doesn't get better and continues, and then we can actually treat them. So, yes, they can go away. And I think by the time, this is why I think that the incidence is really underreported. Yeah. Because by the time somebody actually comes to me, it's never like, oh, this this happened once a week ago. It's always like, all right, I've been dealing with these for a long time. They seem to keep getting worse. Um, because of my hobbies, I like to work out, uh, jujitsu. I get a lot of people that strain a whole lot. It's just the nature of it. Cause when you're straining a whole lot, you're going to have that. I get a lot of, you know, people that are in uh, vigorous jobs that do that. So it's, it can happen any age, any lifestyle. It can happen. 
some of this is genetic also. So we do know that there is a genetic component, where, you know, whether it's the uh, elasticity of the veins or not. That's all kind of being figured out. But So yes, they can go away. So by lifestyle modification, uh, maybe even you know supplementation, according to the one study on examine.com, did help. So. Yeah, interesting. That's a lot of information about hemorrhoids. Well, oh, and we never got to it. We have to spell hemorrhoid. Oh, let's see if you can do it. This is National Hemorrhoid Day, and we are at the National Hemorrhoid Day Spelling Bee with reigning uh, uh, runner-up, Eric Rieger. With Eric, no first-place participant in that particular <laughs> spelling bee. I think the reigning runner-up. <laughs> H-E-M-M-R-H-O-I-D, right? Um, let's do it in true spelling bee format. So oh, I, so hemorrhoid. I go, I go, hemorrhoid. Hemorrhoid. Can you use it in a sentence? My hemorrhoids are killing me today. Hemorrhoids. Origin. <laughs> <laughs> um, of the Spanish origin, the hemorrhoides. Oh, which, by the way, this is really important. We're going to have to translate everything. Ever since our Sylvia podcast, we're huge in Spain right now. Huge. Yeah. Hemorrhoides. Hemorrhoides. Okay. Uh, hemorrhoids. Which I think would be Latin in origin. Really. It's got to be. <laughs> uh, hemorrhoid, H-E-M-M-R-H-O-I-D. Hemorrhoid? Oh. Yeah? No. Dang. H-E-M-O-R-R-H-O-I-D. Every time. Every time. Uh, that's what made you lose back in 1978. No, that's not what made me lose. <laughs> So anyways, um, trying to make light of something that a lot of people are embarrassed to talk about. That was kind of the goal of today's podcast, but it's super important and easy to fix. So common that now we have 20-year-olds coming in worried that they're abnormal, and we've got very fit people thinking it's abnormal, and it's it's really just something that's part of our society now. And yeah. treating it and getting it treated early is probably the key to this. Definitely. Well, get yourself checked if you see any anal or bleeding when you wipe, et cetera. You see it in yeah. the toilet, go get yourself checked. There's a few other diseases that cause uh, bleeding, and one of my favorites is ulcerative proctitis, Ooh, ulcerative colitis. Yeah. I'm a big inflammatory bowel disease fan. We're working on some stuff for our inflammatory bowel disease patients. Um, in the meantime, if you suffer from any bloating or change in bowel habits, remember Atrantil. Um, go to atrantil.com and take a look at that. Now that you realize that there's horse chestnut in there right there on the label and you have some hemorrhoids, I'd be curious to see if it uh, affects them according to this one study. And of course, kbmdhealth.com for CBD and broccoli, the biohack combo of uh, Atrantil, CBD, and broccoli. I don't even know if they can see that. I don't know if we're on camera like that. Oh yeah, probably not. Yeah, a little low. So this is broccoli. There we go. We did a whole episode with the uh, founder of Broccoli and their PhD. I just love it when there's like-minded people that are sciencey and everything. And so we'll see. I don't know. Let me know if you take all three and your hemorrhoids get better. I'd be curious to see. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for episode number 53. Thank you all so much for joining us. Please like and share. And, uh, of course, if you know anybody who suffers from hemorrhoids, or you do, Reach out to your gastroenterologist or your healthcare provider, and they can point you in the right direction. Anything yeah. else? No, if you're in the neighborhood, I'd be happy to talk to you. So. All right. Y'all take care. See you later.